Welcome back to another episode of Blamberry's Politics. It is our fourth edition of Good News Saturday. Welcome back, Nick, for your Good News Saturday. King, almighty king. Glad to be um, back. How many good news stories do you got for us this July? We have, again, like in June, we have six stories to, to uh, get through this morning. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to be spoiling the news right now, but we do have a special guest this week. Um, her name is Annie. She is currently sitting right on my feet, and uh, she's here to join the good news. Well, hopefully Annie will uh, enjoy the good news right along with us. Hopefully uh, she's having a good Saturday morning, a good time, and we're all just going to have fun here this morning. Well, I know she's certainly enjoying it because she is currently licking my desk. (laughs) (laughs) So, Nick, start us off. What do you got for our first story? All right, yeah, let's jump right in. So, story number one is just really, really cool. So now actually before I start any of these stories, um, I included a lot of the people's names for these. So if I mispronounce any names or can just completely butcher them, I, I dearly apologize, but I'll give her my best shot. So while scuba diving in Michigan, Jennifer Doker Uh, found a message in a bottle. Now, the note said, quote, will the person who finds this bottle return this paper to George Morrow, Cheboygan, Michigan, and tell where it was found? So this note was actually from 1926, And so Doker decided to try and figure out, you know, where they might find the family. So she shared the note on her company's Facebook page. And to this point, it has gotten over 114,000 shares. Now, someone managed to actually figure out where the family was and... Uh, managed to get in contact with George's daughter. The daughter then proceeded to get in contact with Jennifer Doker, and instead of taking the note or anything like that, she decided that the best thing for it would be for it to just continue to be shared with the world and everything, so she actually allowed Doker to keep it. I don't know if this is like the traditional good news story. I find this story more interesting than anything else. I always find these stories where you you know you drop a bottle with a note in it, and then uh, over a hundred years later, these bottles are discovered with the notes in it. You know, halfway across the country or whatever it might be, and then people actually follow through and returning them. So the reason I included this story as good news it's just because a a purely for the fascination of it because yeah that these kinds of stories i know to me i find them absolutely fascinating um and entertaining to read but it goes beyond that for me like the story itself the fact that it got over a hundred and fourteen thousand shares the fact that 
you know, someone actually managed to find George's daughter, managed to actually reach out. And the fact that the daughter actually let Joker um, keep the keep the note and share it with the world that, you know, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like this whole connection factor and it all over all over a note from 1926. Right. Yeah, I agree with you there. What's your second story? All right. Second story. So Eden Jackson had a um, a six-year-old sister who was diagnosed with leukemia and had to go through multiple blood transfusions. Well, with all this going on and, and seeing her sister go through this, Eden decided that she wanted to help out um, in these types of situations in any way that she could. So what she decided to do is she reached out to Red Cross and they managed to set up a community blood drive along with the fact that she was trying to educate, um, educate people on the importance of blood donation. And the slots for the blood drive just absolutely filled up. Like they were maxed out quickly. So they went through with the blood drive and everything. And, you know, blood drives at this point in time are so crucial and so great to see because due to the pandemic, there's been a major shortage in blood. You know, there's been a huge blood shortage. So, you know, the fact that Eden's sister managed to get the blood transfusions in the first place was, you know, lucky to say the least. But being able to have this blood drive and go through this education process was huge. And all because Eden saw her sister go through this. And mind you, Eden's only 16, so she did all of this and put all this together at 16 years old which is amazing in its own right yeah um organizing a blood drive at 16 is that i mean at any age that's a huge undertaking to organize to do it at 16 though it, it's remarkable to be honest and to be able to have that mindset of like especially at that age to want to take that effort and take that initiative to help other people like that, you know, by getting blood donations, by educating people about blood donation, um, all for the sake of like, um, all for the sake of her sister and people who are going through similar situations. It's just heartwarming, honestly. It is. At 16 year, years old, to take that initiative to do that is remarkable. What do you have for our next story, Mr. Nick? All right, story number three. And we have kind of another family-oriented story here. During Father's Day weekend, eight-year-old Robert Sanchez had a tree actually fall on him. Um, it had just stormed where, where they were camping. It had just stormed like the weekend before or the week before. And so, you know, things were kind of fragile at the moment, at the moment. Um, and the tree happened to 
snap and, and fell and he got hit by it and pinned underneath of it, underneath a bunch of the limbs. So his 15-year-old brother, Nathan, immediately sprang into action. Um, no hesitation, no nothing, just jumped right in, ran over to him and actually freed Robert from the tree limbs. Now, Nathan was like the, the quickest one to get to the scene. Everyone else get- was... Um, you know, doing their own thing. So the fact that he managed to see this in time was remarkable in its own right. And what's really good to know is that Robert only sustained a broken arm, which he was treated for at the hospital soon after, and he is at home recovering. And uh, Nathan came out of this as a family hero. I mean, 15 years old and saves the family pretty much you can just say saves the family yeah i mean the fact that he managed to take that uh initiative and and spring into action like that you know we just talked in yesterday's news episode about how easy it is to freeze in those types of situations uh when there's a life on the line or when something tragic like that like that happens and so the fact that nathan managed to um managed to move so quickly to help his brothers, you know, amazing. And brave doesn't even begin to describe it either. I agree. Yeah. Because we, we were actually talking about that Friday, like you said, bravery jumped into action, saved the family. I would call him more than a, you know, a family hero. Just call him a hero. True. You know, very true. And um, it's one of those situations where it's kind of scary because, you know, it could have been much worse and there's no, there was no real, you know, cell service out there. So things like that can be really uh, worrisome, really scary. And it's not something you can really prepare for by any stretch of the imagination. Um, So sometimes you do just have to jump into action, you know, no thought, no, um, you know, another, no other option. So it's nice to see that, you know, at, at such a young age, 15 years old, he managed to, to do that. I agree. What do you have for your fourth story for us, Mr. Nick? All right. King of good news. <laughs> story number four. On Father's Day, sticking with that theme, a couple from Montana was just floating down uh, this river in their boat, just having a good day. When they started to hear some splashing, well, they looked a little deeper into the river and noticed that a horse was struggling against the current and was fighting against it and was just having a really hard time. And I guess where the horse was, the water was about 10 feet deep. And so it was just struggling to stay afloat. Um, So the couple actually pulled off towards the shore a little bit downstream where the water was um, a little more shallow. And they actually managed to coax the horse to um, kind of follow the current for a bit to that uh, shallower area. And they managed to save it. They managed to then get it out of the water and the husband in the article 
said that based off what he could see, the horse was probably 30 seconds to a minute from fully submerging. So they really managed to save its life. And the horse actually remembered them. The horse actually remembered them because they went, um, the couple went down that route again. They went floating down the river again a few days later. And the horse actually ran up to them along with two of its other, you know, horse friends. And so they uh, officially formed a bond with that horse that they managed to save. So where's the horse now? So evidently it's just still in that area. They still could see it. You know, they don't know who the, who the horse belongs to at least not at the time that the story was initially published. So they don't know exactly, but they just why can't to they see s- it. Why can't they take Mr. Horse home? Yeah, right. That, I don't want to take it home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me. If I was in that situation, I, I would want to take the horse home so badly. You know, there'd be one of those situations where you're just like, well, I hope the horse doesn't belong to someone because it's my friend now. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I won't want to give it back. Exactly. No, it's cool to see that. I, I The coolest part to me, though, is the fact that the horse actually remembered them. Yeah. And that would just make me want to take it home even more. <laughs> exactly. And it just goes to show the bond that can be created even between people and animals when an act like that happens you know lifelong friends after you save the animal's life we hear it all the time in the reverse role so it go it's a two-way street with animals and humans we don't deserve animals animals and we have said it on the show and you just put it perfectly we don't deserve animals animals are incredible for so many reasons, the bonds that we are able to form with them are so unbelievably strong and hard to break once they're created. So, you know, a story like this is is a perfect example of that. And um, it makes me want a horse. <laughs> so we have... It's, you know, Father's Day seems like that was just made for heroes. What do you got for our fifth story? All right. So this one's really cool. So Rachel Carl received two admission tickets to the New England Aquarium from her great aunt when she moved to Boston for college. Now, just a little thing about these tickets. They were 38 years old. Oh. Yeah. And the reason that she received them was because her her and her great aunt had talked about, you know, whether or not the aquarium would actually accept them. So, one day, Rachel decided to uh, take one of the tickets to the aquarium and see what would happen. She brought it up to the ticket office, and the response from the ticket office was, and I quote, well, it says come back at any time. There's no (laughs) expiration date. And with that, she was let in. And 
another note is that the type of ticket that you know this 38 year old ticket the aquarium had stopped making that type of ticket back in 1983 but the ceo had commented the ceo of the aquarium had commented um on the situation and said that you know they were more than happy to accept the ticket uh there was no expiration date so why not you know and later on rachel had um had tweeted out a thanks to the aquarium and she had said quote my great aunt kept this ticket in her wallet for 40 years and gave it to me when I moved to Boston. Today, the New England Aquarium honored it as my admission ticket. Thank you to the aquarium staff for being so sweet and having a laugh with me. That, you know, I was very, I, I hate to say it, I was on the edge of my seat whether or not the admissions would accept that a 40 year old ticket or not it's insane like you would never imagine in a million years that a 40 year old ticket to anywhere would be honored like that's just not something you ever expect and they didn't expect it uh, you know rachel and her and her great aunt didn't expect it to happen either you know they was saying in the initial story that they just wanted to test it and overall probably have a good laugh because, you know, they weren't going to accept it, but they wanted to go through with it. Right. You so know, for it to actually happen. <laughs> you know what I would do with that second ticket in 40 years? I would give it to either my child or my niece or nephew and see if they'll accept it after the ticket's 80 years old. Oh, I know. I know. That would be insane. You and know, just keep it like a family tradition and see, you know, once that those two tickets are gone, buy another ticket to replace it for every 40 years. Just try it. Yeah, exactly. That'd be incredible. And just those corny family traditions. Yeah, yeah. Those little things that just make everything so much more fun. For the moment, the other ticket um, that she had received she decided to frame it she decided to frame the ticket and keep it she needs to give that to her child in 40 years i'm telling you i would be in absolute shock if in another 40 years they still accepted that ticket but that'd be like the greatest story ever 80 well, Nick, in 40 years in 40 years, you got to do a follow-up story, okay? I'll mark it on the calendar. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what do you have for our final story? All right. So I'd say arguably I saved the biggest story for last. 20-year-old Dante Franklin in Oklahoma traveled 17 miles every single day to work as a cook at Buffalo Wild Wings. He walked about eight and a half miles to work and about eight and a half miles back every single day. And to make it to work on time, 
he would have to leave about three hours early. So mind you, he's leaving home three hours early, walking eight and a half miles to work, working an entire day shift, and then making a three-hour walk back. Now, he attributed these efforts, his walking and, and his jobs and everything, uh, to his mother who had passed away four years ago. And um, he actually made a statement about it. He had said, uh, quote, I really don't care if it gets tiring. I just have to keep pushing. I walk just to make my family proud. Now, Michael Lynn was just running errands one day and saw Franklin walking to work. Now, a couple hours later, he still saw Franklin walking to work. So he offered Franklin a ride, to which he learned about the situation and everything that was going on, and uh, shared the story on Facebook. So Carrie Collins, who runs both My Riding Buddies Oklahoma and Bikers for Elves, stepped in and gifted Franklin his own bike, brand new bike. But that's not even where the whole thing ends. Lynn's Facebook post got over a thousand shares and a GoFundMe page ended up being set up in Franklin's name. The original intent for the page when it was set up was to raise enough money so that Franklin could buy himself a car. At this time, the page has raised about $52,000. Now... Franklin has said that for the moment, he's not even going to buy himself a car. Not yet. For now, he's using the funds from the GoFundMe page to help his family in any way that he can, any way that they need. And that until he decides that it's the right time to buy a car, he'll ride that bike to work every day. Oh, wow. And you can still imagine it's got to take over probably close to an hour, maybe two. But he has the opportunity to get a car, but he's still more worried about his family and making sure his family's taken care of. Well, and it's just, it's special beyond belief, you know, attributing those types of efforts, um, you know, walking to work and working all day and, and, you know, just putting in all that effort every single day, attributing that to his mother who had passed away, trying to help out his family. Like, this is one of those situations where you can see how close that family is and how much they mean to him. Exactly. And that kind of connection is just priceless. You know, it's, it's you so know, wonderful. Yeah. I do have to give you credit. You are the king of good news because I was thinking for my second time around, I'm going to take a mental note of which one my favorite good news story is. But to be honest with you, I don't know if I can. The thing I love about doing these episodes is the fact that every good news story is amazing in its own right, no matter what the topic is. 
you know, whether it's something as simple as finding a message in a bottle or saving a horse or, you know, like this last story where, you know, you have this kid working so hard, people raising the money, and yet he's still just thinking about taking care of his family, no matter what the topic is. They're just absolutely amazing. And, you know, I feel the same as you. I can't really pick a favorite story whenever we do these because I'm just left speechless every single time. And that's one of the special things. That's one of the reasons why I'm so glad we decided to turn this into um, an actual an actual little series. And, you know, I... I always look forward to this one i always look forward to these episodes and they're just a great way to start out the day they really are yeah and you know what it this has grown from just you now it's me and now i mean there's more people getting involved what can i say annie she sat right here the whole time and just it was like she was listening to it i'm not even joking she just sat here quietly Every now and then she did gnaw on her bone, but it's like she was paying attention to you, listening to the excellent good news story. It's like, you know, someone saved a horse. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that Annie enjoyed. I'm glad that uh, she decided to tune in along with us this morning. You know, I don't know if she was thinking, you know, if she was listening or she was thinking about breakfast or, you know, I don't know what was going on in her head, but this was the most still I've ever seen her sit in her life. You gotta so, like to imagine that she was paying attention. <laughs> yeah, it's the only logical solution on how she could have sat still for so long. Oh, of course. Because <laughs> Annie does not sit still; she's always on the go. No, I, I've witnessed her in action. She she does not sit still for a second. That is the end of this Saturday morning good news. I hope you all enjoyed. We will be back here Monday morning. Make sure you follow us on. Twitter at Blind Boy Politics for the latest 24-hour breaking news, so you are always in the know. Follow us on our personal accounts to see what we are up to, and check out our most recent Medium articles. We are always talking about things that we do not get a chance to talk here about on the podcast, but everyone have a great 4th of July weekend, and we'll be back here Monday morning. Bye, guys.